Welcome, everybody. This is episode number 23 of Spurbserve. Something a little different, as usual. Today, we are going to be talking about Trifala, which is a free herb combination, including Philanthus, Emblica, also known as Amla, Terminalia Bellerica, also known as Bellerica Myrobalin, and Terminalia Chebula, which is Myrobalan, just straight Myrobalan, (coughs) rather than Bellaric Myroban. As always, I am your presenter, Dr. Greg Sperber, and thank you for joining us today. So today, we have a very interesting different herb to discuss, very different. When I started this podcast, I researched lists of herbs for many traditions. My, my goal, um, <coughs> I was really excited to expand my horizons and, and, and you know, learn more about herbs from many approaches, as well as deepen my knowledge of my area of knowledge in Chinese herbology. So it, it did a lot of things. And while I'm doing that, I'm sharing the journey with my listeners. So that's the goal. So I found a list of Ayurvedic herbs, and so I'll try Fala on it. And I'm thinking, this is an herb I'm not familiar with, and it seems pretty important in Ayurvedic medicine, so I'll put it on the list. But it isn't an herb. It's actually three herbs used together. That was pretty eye-opening when I went to get this approved as a continuing education (laughs) unit from the state. I'm like, oh, it's an herb. No, it's three herbs. So now we get to explore an important Ayurvedic three-herb combination, and that's really cool. Listen to the podcast, expecting to learn about an herb, and get two more for absolutely free. Well, the first herb was free too, but three herbs for the price of one. So before we get into it, let's, t- uh, let's talk about our sponsors today. If you are an acupuncturist, this podcast, as well as others, are approved for California Acupuncture Board Continuing Education Units and National Certification Commission of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine professional development activities at a very reasonable cost. So please check us out for that. <coughs> I have also written a couple of books, Integrative Pharmacology, Combining Modern Pharmacology with Integrative Medicine, and Playing the Game, a step-by-step guide to accepting insurance as an acupuncturist. And both of these amazing titles are available at the shop on www.spurbsherbs.com. The title of the podcast, Spurbs herbs.com s-p-e-r-b-s h-e-r-b-s.com so let's get into trifala well given the different kind of herbs we're going to be talking about today let's do something a little different about the something a little different in each episode that's a lot of little difference so you know normally i have about 15 or 20 minutes at the beginning of every episode discussing something a little bit different so today um, we're not going to do 15 or 20 minutes at the beginning we are going to, instead of doing a little something different in each episode at the beginning, what we are going to do is kind of intersperse it in between everything else going on because we discussed Ayurvedic, me- Ayurvedic medicine and some of its philosophy and approaches in episode eight when we discussed ashwagandha. So in this episode, we're kind of going to go over the, some of those basics again but directly in the context of these three herbs that we're talking about. So we'll, we'll kind of break it down and do it that way. Um, so with that said, 
let's get into it. So as we've discussed, Trifala is actually three herbs often used together. Trifala actually means three fruits, so it makes sense. And that's what these are. These are fruits. Um, remember, we have the Balearic um, Myrolan and the Myrolan. Those are both, uh, they're also known as acorn nuts. And so uh, there's that. And amla is a totally different sort of fruit as well. So there are three fruits in Trifala. And together, this combination of trifala makes up over half of all cells in the Ayurvedic medicine industry, at least when this was written in 2014. Um, so that's a lot of cells going on. So over half of Ayurvedic medicine. Ayurvedic medicine is a lot of cells. So uh, we will see how they work together in a few minutes. But before that, let's get into the info of each of these three herbs. So um, let's do that right now. So the first herb, as I mentioned earlier, is Philanthus emblica. It's also known as Emblica officinalis. And Amla is sort of the kind of common name for it and the Indian name for it. And so you often see it as Amla. It's in the fami family of Euphorbiaceae, and the medicinal part is, is mainly the fruit, though the plant in general can be used for other things. But when we're really kind of talking about trifala, we're really mostly talking about the fruit. Other names for this herb include Indian gooseberry. It's not actually a gooseberry, but it's called an Indian gooseberry. Emblic mirabilin, so it has that same mirabalin, which I remember I said is, is and I don't even know how to pronounce it, mirabalin or Mirabilin or something along those lines. That is uh, an acorn type thing, and so this is in the in apparently similar to that. In in Chinese and pinyin, it's Uganza, and and having said that, I it's it, even though it has a pinyin and Chinese name, it's been difficult to find some Chinese information on it. So it's not definitely not widely used in Chinese medicine. In Sanskrit, it's Amlaki. Uh, other words for this, depending on different I think different dialects, are Nelly, Nelika. And Lockie, again, I don't know how to pronounce any of these things, so I'm doing my best here. Uh, Eusirikai, uh, Neglikai, Aoma, Aola, Am Amalaki, Dardi, Amvala, Awala, Emblik, Malaka Tree, Nilaka, uh, Nilikya, and Daughtry. So those are all names that I found for the same herb. So there's lots of them. So that's Philanthus umbilica. Let's move on to the second in the trifala, which is Terminalia balearica. It's also known as um, bibitaki in Sanskrit, and you'll see that often in, in the context of trifala, so bibitaki. Its family is um, combrataceae, and the medicinal part is the fruit. Uh, other parts are not really used, though we are going to find out that all of the herbs have something in common for something that's not herbal, but is widely used. So other names for this is, that's called foreshadowing, and I did it very awkwardly, so I apologize. <laughs> so other names for this, this herb are Balearic Mirabalin, or Mirabalin, Bahira, and Bahera are both Hindi, and in Sanskrit it also can be Vibhikaka. V-I-B-E-E-K-A-K-A. -E -E -K -K -A. So I'm pronouncing it Vibhikaka. 
And then finally, the third herb in our, our troika of Trifala is uh, Terminalia chebula. It's also known as Herataki in Sanskrit, and it is also in the family of um, Combretaceae. The medicinal part is mainly the fruit, but the leaves and stems also have some medicinal uses. Other names include mirabalin, black or true mirabalin, ink nut, hudza. This is pinion, and this is a relatively, I wouldn't say common, but definitely used herb in Chinese medicine. So this is the one of the three herbs that is used in Chinese medicine. In Hindi, it can be called hara or harda. Uh, it is called cheb chebule, terminalia, chebgium. In Japanese, it's kashi. In Korean, it's kaja. And so those are all different names for this. Good quality of this herb consists of thick, solid fruit, uniform in size and not too big, with a yellowish-brown surface and a sour, astringent taste. Remember, sour and astringent. Those are both going to be very important as we continue discussing all of these herbs. So extremely big, dark fruit with a spongy texture is of inferior quality. And all of this comes from Bensky, which is a main Chinese herbal book. So that is Terminalia chebula. Let's quickly talk about the families that these come from. So the first family we talked about is Euphorbiaceae, and this is where uh, Philanthus emblica belongs, or Amla belongs in this family. This is the Spurge or Euphorbia family, and it is a large family of flowering plants. Most are herbs, but some are shrubs or trees. The flowers are unisexual, and the family has a specialized form of pseudoanthium or false flower. This is usually a small group of fused together bracts, bracts it's hard to say, and glands surrounding a ring of flowers. So it's sort of a pseudo-flower. It's an interesting thing when you see pictures of it. Plants of this family are often used economically, including cassava, castor oil plant, and rubber tree. Uh, also ornamentals, poinsettias are part of this, which is very relevant since I'm recording this around Christmas time. And garden croton is, is another ornamental. And in traditional medicines, we have many uh, medicines that fall in. We have euphorbia, we have crotons in our uh, Chinese herbs at least, so it definitely can be used in traditional medicines, and of course here with Philanthus emblica. The other family we're gonna talk about today is the Combretaceae family, and both Terminalia bellerica and Chebula are in this white mangrove family. So this is white mangrove, which is sort of the, the white mangrove tree is sort of the sort of classic Combretaceae family member. There are about 530 species of trees, shrubs, and lianas, and about 10 genera. So it's, it's, it's a good-sized family, but not a super large one. And they are very widespread in the tropics and subtropics. Now, I don't know about you, but when I saw this word lianas, I'm like, okay, what's that? And then I read it, I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Liana is a, a large vine that, that creeps up other trees and, and things along those lines. So there are um, 530 species of trees, shrubs, and lianas are in this family. All right, so a brief stop on the family. Let's get back to our Trifala. So together, these three herbs are the three mirabalums, which is creek for acorns, as I've been talking about. They have a high concentration of tannins and have been long used in tanning leather. So that's what I was saying. There's, there's another really common use for these three herbs, and that is in tanning of leather, which, of course, is a, a necessary step in making leather actually usable as leather. 
And so uh, this is where they would get tannins from uh, to in order to do that. But in, uh, as I, I think even in the, in the West, we don't use these trees. We use other trees for tannins, at least historically. And I believe it's always been kind of the bark. And it's the same here. It's more the stems and the bark rather than the fruits that we're talking about here with trifolia. But the plants are there. And, of course, if you have it in that, you still have at least a little bit of tannin probably in the fruit. Maybe not. Uh, there's one of these herbs is a little bit more of that than the others, but so there's still a little bit of tannin. So trifolia is supposed to enhance longevity and act as a tonic for the whole body. And herbs that act like this are called rasayana in Ayurvedic medicine. So this is a general tonic and very, very good. And that's that explains why you know it's supposed to enhance longevity and act as a tonic. So right there you know why it's so widely used if it does that well. It's also used to treat liver and gastrointestinal disorders. That was the other use that I saw quite frequently as gastrointestinal stuff, um, especially diarrhea and things along those lines. And we'll see that as we go through this. So that's a very common use of this, these, this, these three herbs together too. So you combine gastrointestinal stuff with longevity and, and really you can see why this would be a very popular uh, herbal supplement uh, for Ayurvedic practitioners and, and their patients. And together, all three of these are very high in vitamin C, especially the Philanthus and Emblica, very high in vitamin C. I, I read that one of the fruits, and they do, they will squeeze them and drink it for vitamin C and other reasons. And um, the uh, Philanthus Emblica, I, I read one of their fruit, and they're small fruits, they're like an inch uh, diameter is what I read. Um, they, they have as much vitamin C as two full oranges, so lots of vitamin C are packed into this, into this little package. So let's talk about dosing. So dosing of these three fruits are as follows based on the doses in Farley and Lad and Sodi. So Farley and Lad uh, is, is uh, a book on Ayurvedic herbs. It's specific, pretty specific to herbs. And Sodi is as well. They kind of take different perspectives. And so I, I use both of them as sources here. So in the case of Anla or Philanthus, Emblica, uh, they say the, the powder is 250, uh, well, Farley and Lad say 250 milligrams to one gram of the powder, while Sodi says fresh fruit as required and gives a couple of extraction numbers which seem really high. Like when I calculated them out, it was going to be like 80 grams of the powder a day or something like that. So I'm I'm not sure exactly what the, the dosing is on this. I mean, they, they're a little bit complicated. And, and since these are often prepared, I don't know if um, the average person needs to know what the dosing is on that, on this stuff. So, so that's Amla. Um, Bibitaki, which you remember is the Tremalia uh, Balearica, uh, they say, uh, Frawley uh, and Lad say 250 to 500 milligrams of powder. Um, so uh, about the same. It, it doesn't go as high as the amla, but uh, amla remembers 250 to one gram. So uh, and the uh, bibitaki is 250 to 500 milligrams. Uh, Sodi says 250 to one gram of powder. Um, I'm sorry, the the bibitaki. Oh, I'm missing one of the herbs here. Okay, no wonder I'm a little confused here. So the bibitaki is actually Tremalia chebulae. And they say as a Chinese herb, a dose of three to nine grams is appropriate for that. So that sounds much more in line with Chinese medicine. We, we're usually in the three to nine grams as sort of the common uh, thing. And then if some herbs need a little bit less or a little bit more, we go from there. So that makes a bit of sense. And that's the Terminalia chebula. 
talking about for that. And it's one of the herbs here in the dressing. I'll figure that out. Like that. So now we're going to kind of get into a little bit of Ayurvedic medicine and then apply that to these herbs. Uh, so we kind of have a bit of an exploration. So the tridoshas is where really any discussion of Ayurvedic medicine uh, should start at the doshas. Uh, and these are the three basic types of constitution. So that's the tridoshas, three doshas. And uh, there are three of them. Vata is the first with attributes of co dry, cold, light, mobile, subtle, hard, rough, changeable, and clear. And a quote from Farley and Ladd says, it is the most powerful of the doshas, being the life force itself, the strongest to create disease. It governs all movement and carries both pitta and kapha, which are the other two of the three doshas. And it comes from the elements ether and air, so vata. That's vata, dry, cold, light, mobile, subtle, hard, rough, changeable, and clear. Pitta is hot, light, fluid, subtle, sharp, malodorous, which means it smells bad, soft, and clear. It governs heat, temperature, and all chemical reactions, according to Farley and Lab. And it comes from the elements fire and water. And then finally, the third of the three doshas is kapha. Kapha is cold, wet, heavy, slow, dull, static, smooth, dense, and cloudy. It maintains substance, weight, and coherence in the body and comes from water and earth. So these three doshas, you know, when you are, um, generally when you're in good health, the three doshas are balanced, no issues. When you become ill, they become out of balance. So they're, they're very much like in, the, in Chinese medicine, we talk about the five elements and those being in balance. Um, so the, the tridoshas are, are similar in that context that these, these sort of aspects need to be in balance in, in, the, in the body in order to maintain health. So let's apply those to the herbs that we we're talking about today. We have Philanthus emblica, actually pacifies all three doshas and is especially effective for pacifying pitta and good for pitta. Farley and Ladd say it has, that's according to Sodi, Farley and Ladd say it has an affinity for pitta and kapha and decreases vata. Sodi also says both Terminalia bilarica and Terminalia chebula pacifies all three doshas. So all of these, according to Sodi, pacify all three of the doshas. So if any of them are excess, it'll calm them down. Farley and Ladd agree about Terminalia chebula, but says Terminalia bilarica has an affinity for kapha, but decreases pitta and can increase vata. It's a little bit, uh, a little bit jaggedy there. That's my own word. The next aspect of Ayurvedic herbs is rasa or taste. And rasa can mean many things which can help explain the importance of taste in Ayurvedic medicine. It can mean essence, can indicate the essence of a plant, sap, appreciation, artistic delight, and or musical a musical note and can indicate feeling and the beauty and power of the plant. And it can also uh, signify circulation, to feel lively, to dance, the energizing power of a plant's taste. There are six tastes. Sweet, sugars and starches is composed of earth and water. Sour, which is fermented or acidic from earth and fire. Salty, salts and alkali from water and fire. 
These are the elements that I'm talking about when I say earth and fire, water and fire. Pungent, spicy, or acrid from fire and air. Bitter from air and ether. And astringent, a constricting quality of earth and air. And again, we're going to find out that this astringent is very important to that. So according to Sodi, Philanthus emblica is dominantly sour and astringent, but also includes sweet, bitter, and pungent. In other words, it has five of those six tastes. It's only avoiding salty. And Farland Lad agrees, but says it is predominantly sour alone. So it doesn't say sour and astringent, but mostly sour. Terminalia valerica is astringent and sweet, according to both sources. So again, we have astringent in both these herbs so far. And Terminalia chebula is also all five tastes with the exception of salty. And Fraulein Lad says astringent is predominant. So we have astringent in all three of these. So that's the one that's common throughout all of them, uh, as, uh, along with others as well, especially sweet, because really Terminalia valerica is only astringent and sweet. So that is common with all of them. Um, both the Philanthus emblica and the Terminalia chebula is all the tastes except for salty but especially uh, astringent is in there in all likelihood. So that's the rasa and the taste of these herbs. So now we move on to the viria or the viria. I, again, I, I'm not great on the pronunciation here, which is energy. The viria is, is the energy or potency of herbs and is considered heating or cooling. Pungent, sour, and salty tastes in order from most to least are considered to be warming. Heating herbs cause dizziness, thirst, fatigue, sweating, burning sensations, and they speed the power of digestion. They generally decrease vata and kapha and increase pata, uh, pitta, excuse me, increase pitta, and has fire energy. So that's it. So pungent is going to be the, the most warming, sour is going to be middle of the road, and salty is going to be the least warming, but still on the warming side. Bitter, astringent, and sweet tastes, in order from most to least, are cooling. Cooling herbs are refreshing, enlivening, and promote tissue firmness. They generally increase vata and kapha and are calming and clearing to pitta and to the blood. And it has water energy. According to both sources, Philanthus emblica is cooling, and both Terminalia balearica and Terminalia chebula are hot or heating. So there you go. So bitter is going to be the most cooling. Astringent, middle cooling, and sweet is going to be the least of the cooling uh, cooling tastes, or energies, I should say, cooling energies. All right, now we move on to Vipaka, post-digestive effect. And this one is very interesting to me because there's no equivalent concept that I'm aware of in any other herbal tradition, uh, definitely not in Chinese herbal tradition, nothing that I'm aware of in Western herbal tradition. So it's a very interesting concept, and I and I, I think it's, it's a really cool concept. So... According to Farley and Ladd, post-digestive effects relate to processes of absorption and elimination. It's the final outcome of digestion. So you're consuming this taste, and as it gets digested, it changes into a different effect, a post-digestive effect. That's sort of my understanding of how this works. The first stage of digestion is in the mouth and stomach, moistening dominated by the sweet taste. The second stage of digestion is in the stomach and small intestine, and this is heating dominated by the sour or acid taste. And the third stage is, stage is in the colon, which is drying dominated by the pungent taste. 
These stages, again, are kapha, pitta, and vata, respectful, uh, respectively. So the first stage is going to be kapha, the second pitta, and the third vata. The six tastes are reduced to three in their post-digestive effect, vipaka. Sweet and salty tastes have a sweet vipaka. Sour has a sour vipaka, while bitter, astringent, and pungent possess a pungent vipaka. So those are the three vipaka. We have sweet, sour, and pungent. Sweet and also sour vipakas aggravate kapha, while they alleviate vata. Pungent vipaka aggravates vata, while it alleviates kapha. And sour vipaka aggravates pitta, while sweet vipaka alleviates it. Pungent vipaka tends to aggravate pitta over a period of time. So there you go. Lots of stuff there. Very interesting. And you see all the how they all interact. It's very interesting. So so in, in Ayurvedic medicine, you not only are taking into account the tastes of each of the herbs as they go in, but also the tastes as they leave in this post-digestive effect. So herbs, particularly in the long-term usage, tend to aggravate the dosha whose vipaka they possess. So sweet and salty substances promote salivary and other kapha secretions. Sour herbs promote stomach acid, bile, and other manifestations of pitta. Bitter, pungent, and astringent herbs increase dryness and gas in the colon, thus aggravating vata. Both sources agree all three herbs have a vipaka that is sweet in this case. So in the tripala, all of them have a sweet vipaka. So that is going to promote salivary and other kapha secretions, according to what we just read. So that's vipaka, post-digestive effect. Another aspect of Ayurvedic medicine are the gunas. And there are three basic qualities or prime attributes, as described in Frawley and Ladd. These are sattva, is the proper quality of the mind and is the principle of light, perception, intelligence, and harmony. Rajas, the principle of energy, activity, emotion, and turbulence. Tamas, or T-M-A-S, a tamas, uh, the principle of inertia, darkness, dullness, and resistance. In Ayurvedic, these three basic gunas or qualities are primal and philosophically significant. When applied to Ayurvedic medicine, the gunas are more general in nature and describe 10 pairs of qualities that can be applied to almost anything, including medicinal substances. These include pairs. Remember, these are pairs. So these include heavy light, cold, hot, oily, dry, dull, sharp, smooth, rough, dense, liquid, soft, hard, stable, mobile, gross, subtle, and cloudy, clear. And according to Sodi, all three herbs in Triphala are light and dry. So those are the gunas of, of Triphala, light and dry. Finally, I think finally, we, we, we're talking about the karma of herbs. So... We have all heard of and probably used the word karma. At its roots, it means action or work with a broader connotation of an action and its results. In Ayurveda, the karma er of herbs means its actions and desired results. Where there can be over 50 groupings of actions, a dozen or two groups are most common. So the action of amla includes its use as an aphrodisiac. These are the, the karmas. Aphrodisiac, antipyretic, Antidiabetic might be a little bit more scientific. Anabolic, which means it builds things up. So, I, sorry, I should go back. Aphrodisiac, of course, is to promote sexual activity. Antipyretic is to reduce fever. Antidiabetic, to, to help diabetes. 
Anabolic means to build up, so like building up muscle or something along those lines. Anything that builds up something in the body is called anabolic. And cerebral tonic, so it helps the brain, is what we're saying here. So very good for that. Um, and then Frawley and Ladd, so that's all from Sodi. And then from Frawley and Ladd, we have a slightly different uh, manifestation, which is... Uh, they list its actions as nutritive tonic, a rejuvenative, so it rejuvenates. It does have aphrodisiac, but also it's a laxative, so it helps you go to the bathroom. Refrigerant, cools you off. Stomach achic, so it helps in, in stomach aches. Astringent, which is to hold things in. And hemostatic, so it stops bleeding. That's what that means, is it stops bleeding. So... That is amla or, or Calanthus emblica. Uh, bibitaki, which is going to be our, is, is Terminalia uh, bellerica. I think I messed it up with the doses earlier. So bibitaki is a tonic, hepatoprotective, so it helps the protect the liver, antiviral, purgative, so it actually causes, uh, uh, causes strongly more usually we think of purgatives as being stronger than laxatives but it causes uh, going to the defecation so going to the bathroom hypolipidemic so it lowers fats in the blood it's astringent as well and is an anti-diarrheal so it's interesting that it purges it it, it gets you to expel but it also helps diarrhea probably in lad say its actions as astringent tonic rejuvenative expectorant so it, it breaks up uh, phlegm in the lungs, laxative, anthelmintic, uh, which means it helps worms in the body, bad worms, you know, uh, uh, pathological worms. Not that there's <laughs> physiological worms, but we're talking about a, a worm invasion. Antiseptic and lithotriptic, so it can help break up stones in the body. So that's that's going to be our Tumalia Bellerica, Bibitaki. And finally, Heritaki, which is Terminalia Chebula, is an aperient. So an aperient is uh, used to relieve constipation. It's astringent. So like the other two herbs, it's astringent. It's cardiotonic. It helps the heart. It's carb carminative, which means that it is very good for, it, it helps flatulence. So that's a good thing. Fungicide, so it helps fungal infections. Laxative tonic, uh, uh, demulcent, so demulcent is an interesting uh, one, and that is, sorry, uh, where was it, demulcent, there we go, a demulcent is uh, relieving of inflammation or irritation, so I, I you know, that's, an usually we see anti-inflammatory, but that's basically what it is, purgative, Alterative, an alterative is able to restore normal health. So that's an interesting word. Uh, a febrifuge, which is the same thing as antipyretic, so it lowers fevers. Anti-asthmatic and anti-dysenteric, according to Sodi. So dysentery, of course, is an infectious and, and volumeless, volumeous uh, uh, diarrhea. Frawley and Ladd say it is rejuvenative, tonic, Astringent, laxative, nervine, so it helps the nerves, so anxiety, things along those lines. Expectorant, and anthelmintic, so it also helps with 
worms. All right, so I was right. That was the, the last of the, the, uh, the uh, Ayurvedic approaches. But let's talk about Chinese medical actions for a little bit. So how do we spin these in a Chinese medical way? One of these herbs, Terminalia chebula, is the traditional Chinese herb hezi in the category of herbs that stabilize and bind. So um, the, one of the, the functions of the stabilize and bind is to astringe. Most of them will astringe things, so that makes perfect sense in, in what we've been reading and hearing about the Ayurvedic medicine. It is bitter, sour, astringent, and neutral, and enters the lung, stomach, and large intestines. Its functions include binding the intestines and stopping diarrhea, again, right in line with our, our karma of this herb, containing the leakage of lung chi, stopping cough. So remember, we said it's an expectorant, so that makes sense too. It improves the functioning of the throat, so that's a little bit different. So based on traditional functions from Ayurveda, both of the other herbs, Terminalia bilirica and Philanthus emblica, appear to also be astringent. It may also may belong to the herbs that stabilize and bind category because that is the one thing they all have in common is astringency in, in that category, Chinese category. And Philanthus emblica is cooling while Terminalia bilirica is warming. And all three herbs also appear to have, a tonif have tonifying effects and may actually tonify the chi. So I did find one online source, I'd say it's a little questionable, it says Philanthus emblica belongs in the category of cool the blood herbs and says its functions include expelling heat and cooling the blood, strengthening the stomach and smoothing digestion and promoting the generation of body fluids and stopping thirst. So a lot of that makes a bit of sense. We know it's a cooling herb, so yes, it's cooling. I, I don't get any indication from the Ayurvedic side that this specifically cools the blood as opposed to any other aspect of the body. Um, we do know that all three of these herbs are good for the digestive tract, so it makes sense that it strengthens the stomach and smooths digestion. Um, and as far as the promoting of generation of body fluids and stopping thirst, okay. I, you know, I'm not seeing anything against that, but not, I, I wouldn't say it's one of its strongest functions as, as an herb, but it's there, so that's not bad. All right, so those are Chinese medical actions. So according to Bensky, which is a Chinese medical herb book, both Terminalia chebula and Prunus mume fructus wume, are sour binding herbs that restrain the lung chi to alleviate chronic cough due to lung deficiency. And both enter the large intestine to treat long-term diarrhea and dysenteric disorder. So again, this sounds very much in line with, with Ayurvedic and, and some of the uses we know of, this, of these herbs in Ayurvedic uh, thinking. Uh, further, the bitter downward directing nature of chebulae fructus or hudze, which is our, our herb that we're talking about here, is stronger than its restraining quality so that it directs fire downward to benefit the throat and unbind the voice. Wume, or Prunus Wume Fructus, does not do that. Both Terminalia Shebula, Hudze, the, the herb we're, one of the three herbs we're talking about, and Shishandre Fructus, Wuedza, restrain the lungs and stop coughs, but whereas Chebula Fructus, Hudze, directs fire downward to unbind the voice, Shishandre Fructus, Wuedza, generates yang, yang fluids to moisten the lungs. 
They work well together together to treat chronic dry cough or long-term loss of voice. They can also treat chronic diarrhea. Uh, Wuwezia is better for daybreak diarrhea due to kidney deficiency and hudza or, or terminalia chebula is better for spleen deficiency with cold. So, you know, the terminalia chebula is well, you know, uh, there's a lot of info on it in Chinese medicine. Uh, and, and most of it, I think, you know, we don't hear about, I, I haven't read anything on Ayurvedic about throat or any of that, but the rest of it makes a lot of sense according to Ayurvedic approaches to using that herb. So that's sort of the, our traditional sources and, and what it's used for and how it's used. Let's get into the science of it. Uh, and it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of research. As you can imagine, there's a lot of research on these three herbs um, because it is, it is you know, more than half of Ayurvedic medicine, uh, money spent on Ayurvedic medicine is for these, on these three herbs. So there's a lot of research, especially from India on it, there's also a, lo- a good amount of research from China on Terminalia chebula as well. So we, we're, we're, you know, there's a lot to do here. So let's let's unpack it a little bit. So according to Sodi, um, Philanthus emblica has the following activity as shown by scientific studies. It's antiviral, antibacterial, hypocholesterolemic, so it lowers cholesterol in the blood, anti-carcinogenic, so it actually helps cancer or the beginnings of cancer, anti-diabetic. Uh, protecting against toxicity, hepatoprotective, it protects the liver, antidyspepsic, um, which means it, it helps uh, stomach aches, basically, antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and antipyretics. Remember, antipyretic means lowering fever. So that's all Philanthus emblica or amla. Terminalia chebula is cardiotonic. Uh, it's cardiotonic, anticholesterolemic. So, it, so cardiotonic means it helps the heart. Anticholesterolemic means it lowers cholesterol in the blood. Uh, anti-anaphylactic. So if you have an anaphylactic reaction, an allergic, strong allergic reaction, this can help that. Anti-mutagenic. So again, it can help the prevention of cancer. Antibacterial, antiviral, immunomodulatory. So it helps the immune system. Antimicrobial, antioxidant, antidiabetic. Chemopreventive, so it actually helps with chemical exposures, uh, environmental chemical exposures primarily. Hepatoprotective, so it helps the liver. Uh, and radioprotective, which means it helps against radiation. So if you're, uh, you're having radiation treatments or something along those lines. So again, similar to the Philanthus emblica uh, is this Terminalia chebula. So Terminalia bellerica has similar actions. It's antiviral, antioxidant, hypolipidemic, so it lowers um, fat levels in the blood, antimicrobial, hepatoprotective, anti-ulcer, anti-obesity. There's been some research on it, how it helps uh, lower weight. Hypoglycemic, it lowers sugar in the blood, anti-inflammatory, anti-allergy, anti-asthmatic, and anti-cancer. So similar again, um, not entirely the same, but similar. Many of these functions, including uh, antioxidant, well, before I say all these, these were actually a 2020 systematic review by Gupta and, and his team looked at the literature and they came up with a similar list. Um, this is 2020. Um, Sodi was 2014, so this is a few years later. So it's a good uh, list, but it's very similar, so it, it kind of supports each other. So um, includes, uh, it, it is an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, immunomodulatory, 
antimicrobial, hepatoprotective, immunoprotective, which means it helps the helps protect the, the kidneys. Anti-diabetic, anti-hyperlipidemic, so it lowers the, those fats in the blood, and anti-cancer. So very similar to what was in uh, Sodi's book as far as actions are concerned. So let's talk about the contents of this just briefly. So all three plants are high in tannins, as I told you. The fruit's not as high as other parts of the plant, but there are some in them, definitely. Lanthus emblica contains polyphenols, ascorbogen uh, A and B, which is basically ascorbic acid. Uh, the Sodi kind of made it sound like this is a more stable and effective form of ascorbic acid, uh, which may be the case. Uh, but so ascorbic acid, if you're not familiar, that's vitamin C. So as well as some cytokinins and fatty acids. So cytokinins are things that cause, they actually mean cell movers. So these are things that make cells do things. Um, so cytokinins are interesting. Direct cytokinins in an herb would be very interesting. Um, so I'm, uh, I'd love to see more science on that. And then fatty acids are, are very similar in there. So these are all from Philanthus emblica. Terminalia bellerica includes several triterpenoids, which we keep coming across as we talk about our medicinal herbs and, and often they have a lot of medicinal properties. So, and some of the triterpenoids that are in Terminalia bellerica include bellaric acid and bellaric side and uh, bellaric anin. So those are all uh, triterpenoids in the bellerica. I always like the when they have the words like bellaric acid, bellaric side and bellaric anin has the same words as Latin. It usually means it's fairly exclusive to that herb or at least they discovered it in that herb first. So that's that's important. It also has P-cytosterol, which we've covered in other, uh, other Spurbs herbs to talk about what that may do and be helpful for. And it also has uh, um, polyphenols as well, which often have some medicinal properties. That's ter Terminalia bellerica. Terminalia chebula also includes several triterpenoids, including chebulocides one and two and polyphenols. So similar sort of makeups between these three. Again, just another reason why they, they kind of gel together and work well together. All right, so that's the contents. Let's talk briefly about drug-herb interactions. Uh, Terminalia chebula appears to inhibit cytochrome P452C19 and 2E1 in rats. Uh, we generally don't do those kind of experiments in humans. So um, that's interesting. And if you're not familiar with cytochrome P450, that is definitely one of the, the major targets of drug-herb interactions. There's, there's really three or four major targets. Uh, and that's one of them, cytochrome P450. So the fact that it, it inhibits these is important. Neither of them are the most common form of cytochrome P450. So, um, you know, even with this and we accept it and don't, you know, don't have any questions that it was done in rats, um, still, you know, may not have a huge impact on drug-herb interactions, but it's definitely something to be aware of, especially if you have a drug that utilizes either of those cytochrome P450s. According to Gardner and McGuffin, which, McGuffin, which are the editors of a, of a safety book on herbs put out by the American uh, uh, Herbal Producers Association, all three of these herbs are interaction class A, which means herbs for which no clinically relevant interactions are expected. So that's good. We're not worried about interactions. That seems pretty good. I mean, we want to keep in mind these cytochrome P450 interactions, but generally we're, we're really good with drug-herb interactions in these three herbs. 
and, and we're going to see why in just a minute. So uh, concerns about these herbs, these are generally safe herbs, and Philanthus emblica is actually eaten as a food, so it's hard to get any safer than that. Sodi lists no concerns for any of these herbs. It, it, the American Herbal Products Association um, give all three herbs a safety rating of one, which is the safest, meaning they can be safely consumed when used appropriately, so there's no safety concerns from their perspective. Raleigh and Ladd kind of gets down a little bit in, uh, into the weeds a little bit. Philanthus and Emblica caution when using during uh, acute diarrhea and dysentery. So maybe not use that during acute diarrhea, but it can be very helpful for chronic diarrhea. Terminalia bellerica should be used with caution in patients with high vata. And caution using Terminalia chebula during pregnancy, dehydration, severe exhaustion or emaciation, or in patients with excess high pitta. So, you know, if you look at some of these and you start thinking about these in combination, they kind of balance each other out. So I the combination of trifolia, I'd be even less worried about some of these issues, um, the, these concerns that following lab may have. Bensky, which remembers the Chinese herb book, says Terminalia chebula is contraindicated in exterior patterns or in those with internal accumulation and stagnation of damp heat. So they also include several quotes, including it cannot be casually used for qi deficiency and sudden cough or in the early stages of diarrhea, according to Introduction to Medicine. Another quote, deficient people should not use it by itself seeking accuracy in the Materia Medica. So this is, should be used in combination, especially you know, with deficient individuals. And its third quote is, it's bitter, downward directing nature should be avoided if the upper burner primal chi is deficient in sinking. So that's, that's a lot of, of sort of technical jargon on this, and that's from the rectification of the meaning of Materia Medica. So that's where we go with that. And so those are the three quotes here. So <sighs> some concerns, uh, especially with individual conditions, but generally these are really safe herbs and you can kind of see why they'd be good for longevity. You can have them long-term and not worry about safety concerns. And, and there's a lot of benefits to that, to the digestion as a tonic, rejuvenative, all that sort of stuff. So uh, in general, I can, I can see why these are really popular herbs uh, in you know, those who are, are uh, pursuing Ayurvedic medical approaches. So really good. That's it. That's our, our episode. Um, I, you know, I, I think Trifala is a really fascinating combination of herbs. What I like about it, um, just before we get into the next episode and everything, what I, what I really like about it is it, it kind of is a Chinese approach. In Chinese, we think of herbs as having yin and yang, good and bad, and then we, we combine them in formulas to maximize the good, minimize the bad. And I feel like Trifala is is really like these three herbs are really similar, but just different enough to complement each other and to really enhance what they're trying to do. And so remember those main things, we talked about a lot of different things that it does and the karma of the herbs. But really when you get down to it, it is a longevity tonic. So something to be taken long-term to help, help uh, live longer. And it is also a, a um, good for gastrointestinal issues. And uh, I don't know, you know, I think it's similar in, in 
Ayurvedic medicine. I've heard things along these lines with Ayurvedic medicine. Then Chinese medicine, if you don't eat, you know, you can't digest well, you, the re- there's nothing else you can do for the system. I mean, that's, that's the start of health, at least according to the uh, spleen stomach school or earth school of thought. And so that's, that's a really important approach. And so you need to make sure that your, your gastrointestinal tract is working well. And that aids in longevity from a, a Chinese point of view makes perfect sense that these herbs from an Ayurvedic point of view would do something similar. So um, that's it for these three herbs. Uh, I have bibliography coming up. Um, our next episode will be covering the interesting Chinese herb Chuan Bei Mu, Fritillaria bulb. And so that's an interesting, it's a very useful herb used for several purposes. Um, it's what I would call kind of a middle-of-the-road herb when you need it. It's really, that's the herb, but it's not used. It's relatively common Chinese herb, but it's not the most common Chinese herb. So it's, it's a really interesting. I'm, I'm fascinated with it. I, I love this herb, so it'll be really interesting to take a look at it. So please join us as we explore this fascinating herb. And as always, thank you very much. Appreciate you hanging in there and listening to all this. When you buy from Amazon, please use the banner ad on our homepage. And if you liked this podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating in your favorite podcast app. We thank you very much for doing that. And as always, you can always get in touch with me at drgreg at spurbsherbs.com or at our website, www.spurbsherbs.com. So all of that, again, thank you very much. And here's the bibliography. If you're listening to this as a podcast, you're always can uh, see the bibliography uh, at spurbserves.com if you're interested in where I get my, my information from. I have a couple pages of that. And there we go. Thank you. Spurbserves. The proceeding was presented by Dr. Greg Sperber. We would like to thank Janelle for all her support and everybody else who contributed to this program. Janelle. Janelle. Timothy, Timothy Dobbins. Dobbins. Rogers. Campbell.